When I was a, a kid, I used to like monster movies. Not the crazy, weird horror film, the blood and guts sort of thing. I kind of like those old golden era of Hollywood, black and white. You know what I'm saying? Those classic old monsters. This is the Bela Lugosi era. I used to love these films because they were slightly silly, which kind of helped with the nightmares, you know what I mean? But you know, there's a mummy, classic. You know, this guy wrapped up in swaddling clothes coming after you. Can't be, can't be that scary. And then you have like the, the blob. Oh no, a big blob is coming after me. He's going to like get me with this blobbiness. I don't know. I don't know. But my favorite, I think, from that era was classic Frankenstein. Come on, anybody with me? Frankenstein, the bolts on the neck. Can't get any more classic than that. I kind of like the, uh, I think it was produced in the 70s or 80s. There was the, um, I think it's Gene Wilder starred in this one, uh, the young Frankenstein, right? I think I made the mistake of saying Gene Hackman in the first service, and I was corrected lovingly by many people who endeared their love this movie. What makes it confusing, I think, is Gene Hackman was also in this film, too, just as a lesser role. So talk about confusing. But I love this version of it. And you know the story. Maybe you don't know the story, but there's this Dr. Frankenstein. And I always thought Frankenstein was the name of the monster. And you come to find out as you age and mature in life that the Frankenstein is actually the yeah, the doc that creates this sort of hodgepodge, put-together humanoid thing, gathering parts here and there and sewing them together like a weird, creepy doll or, or a Lego person. And, you, you, and then he puts this, this creature on a table, and he decides, well, how are we going to bring this thing to life? Well, how about some lightning? So he waits for a stormy night and figures out a way to channel a bolt of lightning into this creature. And then when it all happens, then the creature starts to move. And then Dr. Frankenstein looks at the creature, are you ready for this now? And says, it's alive! Come on, you can do better than that. One, two, three. It's alive! Thank you, I appreciate that. It indulged me. Brought back some good memories. <clears throat> well, if you know the story, chaos ensues. I mean, it's not a good thing to whatever he's doing, reanimate this creature. And yeah, bad things happen. But it, it does make you wonder, especially on a, on a day like this, on Easter Sunday, just what does it mean to be alive? What, what is the definition of life? What does it mean to really be living? Have you, have you thought about that? Like what, what would determine whether something is alive or dead? Like what's the, what's the dividing line between the two? I mean, how do, you, how do you define it? It's kind of a big question, right? I was listening to an episode of NPR Science Friday, and they were talking about this idea of what defines life. And there's really not a whole ton of consensus out there on exactly how to define it, which is interesting. But they were asking big questions like, well, is it... Is life just a philosophical thing that we ponder about over coffee? Or is life merely biological, just a biological thing? Or, or is life spiritual? They asked that question on, on Science Friday. And, and maybe, maybe it's a combination of all of those things. Well, 
Like if I were to take a poll this morning, here, now that we're all gathered, how, how, would, how do you define life? How, how would you say, this is, this is to me what it means to be alive? Have you, have you thought about that? I've given you a few minutes here. If you have an idea of how you would define life, go ahead and tell a neighbor. Tell somebody beside you. Take a minute or two. You tell them. You give them your incredible theory on what it means to be alive. Go ahead. You can take a few minutes. Go ahead. Sorry. I give you permission. You can talk. What? What is life? What is life? If you need... If you need some help, I mean, I don't know. Is life about uh, making decisions? Okay, maybe. Life's about making decisions. Is life about uh, having experiences? Okay, sure. I, I think that could be part of that. How about uh, life is interacting with stuff? Yeah, okay. It, it all could be in that same general category. And, and human beings... We're kind of an odd bunch, aren't we? Because we kind of do all the living thing stuff. Uh, we move and breathe and all that. We have all that stuff going on. But with humanity, there's something special about us that makes us a bit odd. We, we don't just do the stuff. We try to come up with the meaning behind why we do the stuff. You know what I mean? It's like we're, we're in this sort of existential thing where we will sit and ponder the meanings of the deeper meanings of things. And, and you don't see a lot of, you know, creatures around in the forest pondering about these trees. You don't see them out there saying, if this tree fell right now in this forest, would anybody, would anybody you know what I'm saying? They're not pondering that humans have this unique stamp on us where we're trying to come up with the, the meaning of all that. And where does that come from? Well, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. We're going to be talking about that today. We're going to lean into, you know, what does that mean to have life more than just moving around and breathing? That, that maybe, maybe as we lean into what God's plan for life is, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than just existing. How about this? If we were to put on similar jumpsuits, hop into a rocket, and we're heading to another planet, and we're, we're looking for signs of life. I think Star Trek, that was their whole motto, wasn't it? To seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go, come on. <laughs> you're welcome, you Star Trek heads. If you're going to find life, are we, what are we looking for? Are we looking for intelligent life? Well, and how would you define that? We didn't even talk about that. I mean, look around the room. Is this a representation of intelligent life? You ponder that. You're welcome. Yeah, are we looking for intelligent life? Are we looking for basic life? Are we looking for something else? Are we looking for signs of previous life? And what defines those creatures we're looking for? Is it DNA-based? Is it carbon-based? Now your mind is hurting right now. You're welcome. Pondering all this stuff, man. Would you just... You have not, let's talk about eggs. But we're pondering these, these bigger things because we're human. 
We're looking for that. And I haven't even brought up things that we're doing in labs now where they're kind of manipulating cells and they're dividing. And I read somewhere that someone's talking about synthetic meat. Did I read that wrong? That sounds horrible. I, I, I don't even like tofu. Because it sounds too much like tofungus. Real close. But we're doing stuff in labs, and is that life? I mean, I don't know. Some of you may vehemently be like, no, no, that's not life. But think about, let's take it one more step. How about the, all the buzzword, artificial intelligence? Machine learning. This is the era we're in now. I mean, you saw it probably yesterday if you're on Facebook or something. You and the spouse or somebody's talking about something you want to buy somewhere. All of a sudden, it shows up on your Facebook feed. It's been around for a while. It's starting to get perfected. In fact, I don't know if you've heard about this chat GPT thing. Have you all heard of that? I had never done it until this week. I thought, I'm going to check this out. I'm going to do the homework for you. You're welcome. This was actually creepy to me. So what this is, it's like artificial intelligence. It's coming up with things. I guess students are using it to write papers and come up with, I mean, I don't even know how we're going to deal with all this yet. But this is a reality, folks. Is this life? I typed in this week the question of uh, what defines life? That was the question that I asked ChatGP on OpenAI. And it brought back these four paragraphs in lightning fast speed. It was creepy to me. I felt like the robot was talking to me. I started looking around for Terminator. <clears throat> but it came, this huge thing, and you don't have to read it, okay? But the, the end of the day, this thing just basically said, there's really no consensus as a definition of what it means to be alive. In fact, at least according to this chat GPT thingy, uh, it's a matter of interpretation or perspective. Some of you are familiar with the Khan Academy. Have you heard of the Khan Academy? It's this online education resource, and many people got familiar with it over the, the, pan or the pandemic because you had to be at home and homeschooling. So the Khan Academy would help with math and sciences and that sort of thing. And I looked at their beginning biology course and on Khan Academy, and it said that to define living things, they, they list about seven items. I'm not going to read all of them, but some of them include like uh, metabolism. A living thing has to have a metabolism. One of the other things it said was growth. Another thing was reproduction. And, uh, and, and like cellular organization. And so that's some of the kind of basic definitions that you would find in even basic education. Is your head spinning yet? And I haven't even answered. Like, what is the definition of life? And that's what we're leaning into very hard today. It's a bit overwhelming, but hi, I'm Ben. I'm Pastor Ben. I'm glad you're with us today. It is Easter Sunday. Hello online. We see you out there in cyberspace. Chat GPT, we see you too. I don't even know if you're watching. <laughs> that is weird. I just creep myself out. But we gather like this, like Christ followers all over the globe. We are one big dysfunctional family of faith, aren't we? We gather for one purpose. And that purpose is on that Sunday, so long ago, that tomb was empty and it changed human history forever. 
That's why we gather. We lift up the name of Jesus today. And today we are going to be looking at the, the scriptures today to hear from God on his perspective of what life is, not just basic life, but the best life. So we're going to lean into that today in our message, New Kind of Alive. But before we do that, let's, uh, speaking of sciencey things, on the count of three, let's take a deep breath. One, two, three. Let it out. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, you're mighty and powerful. You're moving mountains. You're doing things awesome. You're creating. You're still creating. Father, we lean in to your word. Speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit in this gathering. And Lord, may we hear from you, your perspective on what it truly means to be alive. Not just, just taking up space, but a new kind of alive and a new way to be human that you offer to us. So we pray for your wisdom and your, 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 uh, your ideas to flow to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have a Bible or a device, this is the easiest sort of find it in the Bible moment for you. If you're brand new to, to the Bible, it's okay. Find the early pages of Scripture. We're talking Genesis chapter 1. We have to almost start there when we're talking about life. And so when we look to the Scriptures, we, we are holding on to a Bible. We call it the Bible. It's a collection of the Hebrew Jewish Scriptures and the Christian scriptures. And they're kind of combined into one book. And that can be a little confusing at times to understand what's going on. But the Hebrew and Christian scriptures speak to a kind of life that God himself gifted us with. In the beginning, God is doing all the creative work. And he begins to create how the universe works, how, how cells work, all of those things. I don't even understand how all that worked, but he's doing all this creating stuff, and then he starts creating creatures. These things that, creepy crawlies that move across the earth, you know, mammals and reptiles and all that sorts of thing. And in Genesis chapter 1, we get the first sense of this life that God is bringing. So in Genesis 1, it says that uh, God is creating all these things that are moving about, these animals, and everything that has the breath of life. So there's a sense where God is creating things, and then with these, at least the animal kingdom, he's creating things that have the breath of life, still have the, the stamp, if you will, of God in them. They're, they're taking this breath of life from God, but that's just the first sense that we get of God doing this life-breath sort of thing. And then, God takes it up a notch. We get to Genesis chapter 2, and we hear about this creating of human situation. So, there was these creatures, and they're, they're crawling around, and they're walking around, and they've got God's breath of life breathed into them. But then God does something different with humanity. There's something unique. And in Genesis chapter 2, we have God making these humans in His image. So that's raising, raising the stakes here, that these, these humans are walking around bearing the image of God. And try to get your mind around that. I can't quite get my mind around it, but we're, we're bearers of the image. So everybody in this room, as humans, we're bearing his image. And try to figure out all that that means. And, and we find in verse 7 of chapter 2, with these humans, that these humans are special. And then, here's what it says. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his, his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. The wording there is interesting, isn't it? It's sort of like, like open your, your nostrils 
Have you, ever, have you read this recently? It's like he breathed into them the, the breath of life. What I don't know. It's just what the text says. We're told that he, he breathes his life into them, and it's like you get this sent in, and then what happens? Humanity became what? A, a living creature, but not just like the previous living creatures. Now this has this this nostril thing, and they're made in the image of God. That's, that's all you're going to remember, isn't it? Is the nostril thing. You're welcome. Happy Easter. We can be done now. Breathes in the special bit of life, this special breath of life, as the image bears. And, and, and the man became a living creature. Humankind became living creature. Now, this is all happening before Genesis chapter 3. And if you're familiar with Scripture at all, you know that we start out great for like two pages. And then we get to page three, Genesis chapter three, and chaos ensues. But this is before that happens. This is pre-fall, if you will. Before humans decide that our will is better than God's will. So now, I wanna, I wanna catapult us into the future, way past this moment. Hundreds and maybe thousands of generations later, we arrive at the first century. This is at a time in human history where the Romans ruled the roost. The Roman Empire was everywhere, especially the ancient Near East. And in that time, there comes this one that is born that will later tell his followers that I'm going I'm to breathe on you a new kind of breath of life. In John chapter 20, we've skipped way ahead in the story. We get to John chapter 20, verse 22, and here's this, this one who came, and he's going to breathe a new sort of breath of life into the nostrils, if you will. Verse 22, and, and when he, that is Jesus, said this, he breathed on them, that is his followers, and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So some kind of new breath of life is going on here. Different than just humans fogging the mirror or creatures roaming the earth. This is the third sense of a new kind of life. And Jesus breathes on them the Holy Spirit. In other words, this is the remaking of humanity. This is the rebirthing of humanity. This is God doing completely something new over his image bearers. So do you see kind of the three different senses there of this breath of life that happens? He's breathing into us something new. So, yeah, we get at the beginning, God, the creator, spinning planets out there, doing his thing, creating atmospheres and all that's going on there. It's a beautiful picture, beautiful narrative there at the beginning of Genesis of how it all kind of worked together and played out. It was very intentional. And then God's breathing this breath of life into creatures, and then finally he breathes a breath of life into his image bearers. That's us, humanity. And, and he did that on purpose so that we, humans, unlike the other creatures, we would partner with God to help manage and prosper his, his, his creation. 
that we would partner with him in this. Remember, when, if, you don't have to remember. If, if you're new to the scriptures, when he's creating in Genesis, you'll notice this phrase, he, he created this and it was good. Then he creates humanity and he says it's very good. So he wanted partners to partner with him in this good creation and to work with him and to manage it and prosper. That's what happened there at the beginning, but what happened when we got to chapter 3, I already spoiler alerted it, Humanity decides, you know, our will is better than your will, God. We want to go our own way. We don't want to partner with you. We want to do what we want to do. And chaos ensued. And over time, even after that first initial fall in Genesis chapter 3, you can read that this week, there's this interplay back and forth. And you see this all the way through the Hebrew and Christian scriptures. You have this... Sometimes humans partner with God and it goes pretty well. Other times humans don't partner with God and it gets ugly. This goes back and forth like this crazy tug of war of wills over and over and over. Seems like it will never end until, as I mentioned, in that first century, a child came along. A child was born. A child that was sort of unlikely born to some Jewish teenagers in a small, insignificant part of the world under Roman occupation, this small town of Nazareth, this child grew up. This child who the scriptures say was God put on flesh and walking among us. The ancient Hebrew and Greek writers would speak of Emmanuel. That is literally God with us. This special miracle child, this God with us, comes into human history. Think Christmas. That's Christmas. We celebrate that incarnation at Christmas. That's a big theological term, $5 theologian word. Incarnation just means God putting on flesh, enfleshed. That God puts on flesh. It's, it's, unlike, it's an unlikely story and almost scandalous that God would, in a sense, redeem humanity from that point Flesh, humans, that's how special of creation we are. So he puts on flesh. And in a sense, God Almighty gets intensely personal with us. Sort of, in a sense, gets in our business. And he offers us a restored partnership. That once again, by faith, we can now re-enter that partnership that he wanted all the way back in Genesis that we would partner with him, and Jesus will use the words to bring the kingdom come and his will be done on earth as in heaven, right now and not yet. A reopening of the door to partnership is what Jesus, the Messiah, offered. Once again, Jesus, God put on flesh, offers a breath of life, but this time it's a new breath of life, to create a reborn humanity. A people who had soft hearts to God. A people who would choose to put someone else's needs above their own. A new way to be human by faith. A reborn people. In fact, the New Testament writers would, would simply say, you know, what matters most now is new creation in Jesus this new humanity. So, let's, I guess, come back out of the theoretical and talk about you and I right now. 
You feel like you're, you're living that new way to be human? Think of the past week. Think of your life right now. Is your life characterized by this new way to be human? That you would choose not to take revenge when you could. That you would choose to be generous when you don't have to. Or choose to put someone else's needs above your own when that's hard. You would choose to be inconvenienced for the sake of love. See, this is signposts. These are, these are symptoms of the new humans, the new way to be human. These are, these are signs of new life being breathed on God's image bearers, us, humanity. Where are you at on this? So I feel like deep down, no matter where you're at on the spiritual spectrum, I don't think us humans just want to just exist. I think we want something more. We, we don't want to just fog up a mirror or just survive. I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think deep down we, we want to thrive. Like we want the best we can, we can have, both now and not yet. I, th I don't think we're satisfied with just mediocre living. We, we want something more. And, and Jesus, through his breath of life, is offering a way into that new way to be human. And he wants you and I to thrive. What about fulfilling your mission? Have you thought about your mission in life? What you were destined to do in this world? What God uniquely created for you to do? He is wanting to partnership with you and me, still. And he's offering the breath of life as a rebirthing of us into the new way to be human, both now and not yet. He's calling us into the kingdom. Where are you at on this? See, God loved us so much that he would do whatever it takes to restore relationship with us and to partner with us, to bring us, bring us back to his partner so that we can, we can pray with confidence, Lord, may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. He's calling us back to partnership. And so, I don't know where you're at on that spectrum. This new way to be human. And my point's simple today. Claim your new life in Christ. If you've never done that claim, I, I encourage you today, make that claim today. Because he wants to breathe onto you, into your nostrils, a new way to be human. So that we can all say, he's alive, she's alive. A new way to be human. Claim your new life in Christ. Don't just exist. Fulfill a mission. Where are you at on that? Jesus said, and he said this himself, I've come that you wouldn't just have mediocre life. I have come that you just would just fog a mirror until you die. But Jesus said himself, I have come that you might have the best abundant life. Not just barely there, hanging on life. Where are you at on that? When Jesus rose from the dead, and that's what we celebrate on Easter Sunday, he proved for once and for all that it ain't over when it's over. Did you hear that? It ain't over when it's over. Both now and not yet, he's calling us to a new way to be human. He wants to breathe that breath of life on you today. What if you reached out to God this week, today, and said, God, would you make the impossible possible? And what are, you, what are you put on this planet to do? What if you could step into your mission? Way more than just existing. When we say yes to Jesus, we become new humanity. 
The scriptures call us the reborn ones. In fact, the early church was called the called out ones. Those who were called out to be completely different. Are you living that way? When we put Jesus and his kingdom first, we become these new humans that we exhibit things that maybe we struggled with before we met Jesus. Things like, yeah, generosity. Things like, um, I I'm going to... I'm going to take up your burden for you. Things that are sort of superhuman, that, that normal life wouldn't, wouldn't do, that you would sacrifice yourself for someone else. These are the new kingdom ways under the new humanity that Jesus is bringing. That's a reborn way to live. What if in your life people were seeing crazy things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. These are new way to be human. It's a lot easier to go the other way, but the, the wide is the way. And if you just want what everybody else in life wants, you just do what everybody else is doing. But if you want what few are aiming for, then do what few are willing to do. And this is the new way to be human. And Jesus offers the way in and the power to do it by the Holy Spirit. Have you taken the breath of life that he offers to be that new human? Jesus in Revelation, the very end of the Hebrew and Christian scriptures, the collection that we have, the very end, Jesus himself says, See, I am making all things new. I am making all things new. One of the early followers of Jesus wrote much of the New Testament, Paul. He wrote this in Romans chapter 12. Don't be conformed any longer, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul is saying, we are the new humans. Don't be conformed any longer to the patterns that you see around you but be transformed because you are a new human in Christ. By faith, you've gotten that breath of life and he spreed the Holy Spirit on you. And you no longer have to be conformed by all the patterns you see, but you can be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It's almost like a complete reset of your life. Some of us have had that reset in our lives and our lives have never been the same. And we wouldn't look back. We want that for you, too. Paul, again, one of his letters, he wrote this. And it just kind of ends this whole idea of new life. And he says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. You have access to that today. I don't know what your decision is today, but there's a few of them that we could say as we wrap up. If you're someone who has never said yes to that breath of life that Jesus wants to offer for you, you can hit a reset today. That could be your new life. I encourage you to do that. Anybody here on, up on stage can help you with that. We have our elder team and our group back there that can help you pray with you in the lobby. Take that next step. Say yes to Jesus. Be part of the Jesus kingdom. Live the new way to be human. Have that new kind of a life. That may be your decision. Or today, it might be that you said yes to Jesus a long time ago, but you're struggling. You're spinning your wheels. You're not sure about this whole Jesus thing. You may be running to some issues in your life. 
And you need some help. You need some discipleship. You need to feel like, I need to learn the ways of Jesus, and I need some help. If, if that's your decision today, I encourage you to reach out as well. Because he's calling us to that new life. This fruit that we talked about, love, joy, peace, patience, to learning how to obey Jesus in a discipleship discovery situation. I want to encourage you to say yes to that. Here's the third thing. If you've been following Jesus for a long time, and you're in a healthy place with Jesus, it's time for you to proclaim that new life that you have. Don't be afraid to talk about it. There's, there's probably people in your circles of influence right now that are even ready to hear some hope from you. You don't have to preach at them. You don't have to throw a Bible at them. That'd be weird. But they're already in your sphere of influence. Be praying for those people. Be praying that God would say, hey, they need a little bit of hope today. And you can start teaching them the ways of Jesus and then saying, hey, let's have a, let's have a little coffee. And do you see what Jesus said there? How do we put this into practice? That's discipleship. You as a healthy follower of Jesus, that's your role. If you're a disciple, you make disciples. So there's three things there. I don't know which one is your decision today, but I want all of us to embrace that new kind of a life. To breathe, to breathe all that Jesus is breathing into us by his Holy Spirit and to live that new way to be human. Would you pray with me? Father, you're good and powerful. We are so thankful that you love us more than we could possibly imagine. And Father, you've offered us this new life, not a, a survive life, but a thrive life. I pray that each person in this room would take you seriously on that, that we would breathe everything that you have for us and that we would be the new kind of humans by faith showing your love to the world around us. And until you come back, Jesus, we want to be your new humans, operating in your new kingdom ways until you return. In Jesus' name, amen.